Hello, you're listening to the Remote Distributed Teams and Future of Work show. I'm your host, Murray Newlands. I'm delighted to be here today with Ashu from Foundation Capital. Ashu, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me on the show, Murray. So, Ashu, you're a uh, partner here at this fund. You invest in enterprise technology companies, and you've invested in a number of different companies. In this space, you're a very active investor, also an investor in touring. Uh, what else have I missed out? What should people know about you? You know, I, I've spent the last 12 years in venture, and prior to that, I spent another 15 years in a variety of operating roles, including two different stints at Microsoft. So I've been in and around different aspects enterprise tech now for 25 plus years. But the one thing that sort of, you know, for me stands out in the context of Turing in particular, is that I started my career helping build the IT services industry in India, which is really the first generation of remote engineering. In 1998, working as part of the McKinsey team, I forecast that this industry would be 80 billion in revenues in the next 10 years. And at the time, it sounded like a crazy number, 100x growth in 10 years. And when I look back, it's gratifying to see that the industry is even bigger than that now. So in the last episode, Jonathan said that you're part of, you were part of the creation of Turing. How did you end up playing a significant role in the creation of Turing the company? So I met Jonathan and Vijay, the two founders of Turing, before they had really sort of come up with a specific idea. They had they were looking at a variety of different ideas and I invited them to join us as EIRs at Foundation. And so we spent months brainstorming a broad range of ideas, all broadly around the context of future work, but looking at different ways to ride this mega trend. As we had these conversations sort of week after week, Jonathan and Vijay both came back, kept coming back to the fact that they had built this remote distributed engineering model at, at, at their prior company. And that was the reason why they had succeeded and flourished. And, and I'd had the same experiences in several of my portfolio companies and also through the work I'd done for Indian IT services. And so their experience and what I had seen across the last 20 years in the growth of the Indian IT services came together and we sort of you know came up with the idea. So they, they get 99.9% of the credit, but but I was, you know, it's been fun to be part of this journey from day zero. Why do you believe the future of work is remote, or as we like to call it, distributed? You know, the the epicenter of technology is, and I think for for many decades, will be the Bay Area. I like to think of the Bay Area as the Florence of modern times. So, you know, if you think of the role Florence played in the Renaissance, we're playing that role today. However, with technology that Silicon Valley has invented, the world's flat. And... Physically, the Bay Area itself isn't large enough to accommodate all that needs to happen for technology to become pervasive. And the same technology is enabling companies and individuals around the world to participate in this revolution. And and I think, you know, the best minds are everywhere, you know, in Chennai or in Belgrade or Siberia or in Phuket. And, And I think they will all come together through remote and distributed teams to sort of transform the world through technology. So we're hearing more and more about remote distributed teams being the future of work. Why now? And what do you think, why do you think now is the moment that this is really taking up? 
So I think three things have happened in the last few years. The first is just bandwidth. Broadband is ubiquitous globally. With 5G, mobile broadband will be truly ubiquitous. And 5G over the next year or two will be pervasive globally. So that's the first major trend. I think the second is the tools and technologies are now there that allow you to operate globally as if you're one company, whether it is video conferencing tools or it is the fact that AWS has data centers around the world and provides you access globally. There's a host of tools and technologies that make remote and distributed a reality. The third thing I think is really the constraints from a cost and space standpoint in the Bay Area. It's, there is no way for us to realize the potential of technology if we constrain ourselves to companies that are based and have all their teams in the Bay Area. So what is it, do you think, that holds companies back from going distributed? And, and how is that now being overcome? So most people realize that they need to go remote and distributed. I think the, the notion of boundaryless, and I think is people understand that that is inevitable, in particular for engineering teams. But there's a host of challenges. If you don't have a co-founder that is managing that team remotely and lives in that location, how do you source people? How do you vet them? How do you match the right person to the right job within the company? Once you've hired a remote engineer, how do you manage them in an ongoing manner? All of those are challenges individually and collectively they feel overwhelming. And so what you see is a lot of interest in remote, but very few companies are able to do it effectively at scale. And that's where Turing comes in. So traditionally investors invest in teams. There's a lot, it seems a lot of value in teams. From a fundraising perspective, how do you as an investor look investing in companies which have boundaryless teams? Does it affect their chances of getting more capital? What, what are your thoughts on that process? So you're absolutely right. You know, the core of what we invest in is a team. And it's one or sometimes multiple founders. It's a core set of people. And, you know, more often than not, necess not necessarily, but more often than not, that core team will be co-located. At the same time, you know, as companies start to scale, as they start to build out product, they need specialists that you want an iOS developer for your mobile app. You need a handful of backend engineers and so on and so forth. And investors are very comfortable with a broader team being distributed. And that's something I actually think is a strength, not, not a weakness. It helps you take your venture dollars further. It gives you the flexibility if there's a downturn in the market to be able to scale up and down with market opportunity. So would you invest, would you recommend the investments your portfolio companies to uh, hire boundaryless teams? Absolutely. In fact, if one of my companies is not building a boundaryless team, I ask myself and I ask them the question, why not? So what are some, what's some advice you'd give your portfolio companies in going boundaryless, in hiring that distributed team? You know, as we talked about a few minutes ago, building a remote and distributed engineering team in particular is complex. And so I tell my companies to do three things. One, start early. It's you want to make it part of the culture and the fabric of the company. So the moment you have five or 10 engineers, I think it's time to start to build a remote engineering team. The second thing I, I tell them is either you have to go 
down the path of having a remote co-founder-like person, a very senior executive in the company around whom you can build the remote office, or you should think strategically about using a platform like Turing to build that team. Because building and managing a remote team is very specialized. And the third thing I tell them is, you've got to make remote a part of the culture and celebrate. It's not a necessary evil, in fact, if it's it's a critical driver of your success. So those are the three things. Start early, either locate a co-founder remotely or use Turing or platform like Turing. And third, celebrate remote as a key part of your culture. So you clearly believe in this as a way that's happening. What would you say to, what would be your, your advice to other investors looking at this space? So, you know, what I tell all my partners at Foundation this, like, you know, I tell everyone sort of that, that I meet, I think this trend is inevitable. And at the same time, the trend comes with a challenge. How do you manage IP remotely? How do you manage, how do you ensure that these remote engineers aren't hacking into your infrastructure? There aren't any, you know, bad apples in sort of the, the group. And so I think it's managing that, you know, the, the, those two things concurrently. It's inevitable. And so how do you get started? But at the same time, I ask all my partners at Foundation to say, let's make sure that our portfolio companies are putting the right scaffolding in place to manage this well. Because if it goes wrong, it can go badly wrong. So what's one piece of advice you would give to other investors looking at this space? I tell every other investor that I work with, that, you know, encourage your teams to do this early. Having a remote team is inevitable and it is a huge asset. At the same time, it's a complex problem and you need to sort of work, think through the challenges of, you know, sourcing, vetting, matching, and then managing these people in particular at scale. And, and you have to find some approach to doing it that works for you. Yeah, and what do you think that when working with Bangladesh teams, uh, what do you think that is missing to help them uh, be as effective as local centralized teams? So while the, the, the trend towards going remote and distributed has been around for a few years, I think what's been missing is a platform to help you manage that. What we've seen over the last few years is a lot of point solutions. So there's a point solution, Zoom for video conferencing, Slack for communication and so on. And I think those tools are great and they're a critical part of the stack. But managing an engineering team remotely is much more than having a collection of tools. And I think what's been missing is that even the platforms that help you source remote engineers are like those point solutions. They, they solve a very small piece of the problem. They, they provide access, for example, but that's not enough. And so what has me so excited about Turing, both as an investment, but also as a, as, as a platform that my other portfolio companies can use is they've taken a holistic view of this problem. They solve the problem of sourcing. They, they source across, you know, many tens of countries as against any one niche market. They bet for dozens of different skills, both technical as well as the ability to, you know, work with remote remote teams. So the notion of can these engineers actually be effective in a remote environment? They deal with matching. And so you can get access to a remote engineer in days, not weeks or months. And lastly, they have a post-match product which enables you to 
manage that engineer effectively. And there's a whole bunch of machine learning that's been applied to help predict that there's a problem on either side. Thank you. What do you believe is, are the next developments in future work and boundaryless teams? You know, the trend is, this is a decade long trend and we're still in the early innings of this trend. I think 75 or 80% of all companies in Silicon Valley will have at least half of their engineering teams be boundaryless. And so that's a massive shift from what we're used to seeing today. As that happens, I think you'll see, obviously it's a huge opportunity for platforms like Turing and others, but it's also an opportunity for lots of new tools, technologies. I think you'll see a whole next generation of companies like, you know, that WeWork we 2.0 that enables infrastructure in these remote locations will start to flourish. So what are some companies that you see and CEOs who you see doing boundaryless well? You know, I've been very fortunate to have seen my portfolio companies do this for a decade or more. So some of my companies were really pioneers in this. Companies like Conviva have had remote engineering teams in India and China and other places for, for close to a decade now. Stripe and GitLab have had remote and distributed teams. And Stripe and GitLab have had remote and distributed teams. And so has Zapier. More recently, you know, two of my companies, Eightfold and Fortanix, have done a great job of really building a distributed culture and environment. In the case of Fortanix, while it's a relatively young company, they have teams in multiple locations in India, they have a team in Netherlands, and of course they have a team here. It all sort of works seamlessly. And who are some other investors who you see doing exciting things in this space? You know, in, in recent years, we've seen a whole swath of venture firms and venture investors get excited about sort of the macro trend around you know distributed and remote teams. My friend Naveen Chadda at Mayfield was an early investor in the category. You see in recent Horowitz has been talking about it and making a handful of investments in the category. Current Mahindru at Trinity has been a big advocate and many of the partners including Stacy Bishop at Scale Venture Partners have really embraced this. What type of personality do you think it takes to be a great CEO? There's no one personality that makes for a great CEO. You see as many different varieties or flavors of CEOs as there are successful CEOs. But there are some commonalities. I think the best CEOs have an innate ability to communicate. They may not be great auditors, but they, they're able to articulate their vision and sell the story every day to investors, to employees, to customers. But that ability to sell the story and the dream, I think is inherent in great CEOs. I think the second thing about great CEOs is they have, and Paul Graham uses this phrase that I've sort of come to love, they're relentlessly resourceful. They have this grit, but it's not just grit, it's this ability to find, find a way out of any maze or any problem. They don't take no for an answer. They, don't, they never stop, they just keep going. I think the third thing is they have to complement that vision with having their nose to the ground. They have to understand the details of the business. Because in the early stage, it's not as if you have a lot of executives that have the whole picture. And if you don't have that nose to the ground, companies are unlikely to succeed. And lastly, I would say great CEOs have the ability to build relationships. You know, they. People come to work for them because they want to work for that individual. 
investors want to invest in them, that individual. And there's something personal about that. They have a, they have a charisma in their own way. And you have a big network and you, you are really successful by being part of creating that big network and communicating well with it. How do you think that personality type, those successful traits, translate into a world of bandwidth teams and running a bandwidth company? You know, a CEO that runs a boundless company has to do all of those things, but just do it with a team that they don't physically interact with every day. And, and so that comes with its own challenges. And I think, I think there's three things I would recommend CEOs do in this environment. I think one, even though the teams may be distributed, they have to find a mechanism to get teams to come together physically at a certain frequency. And it may be an annual offsite, it may be quarterly meetings for different teams, but human beings crave a certain level of physical, you know, connection. And, and so I think you can't ignore it. I think the second is written communication becomes really important. I recommend that people do weekly emails to the entire company. They have, you know, very structured goals that are well-defined across the company. And so people know who's doing what. And the third thing is, I think they have to be willing to get on the road. You have to travel to remote offices. You have to travel to conferences and events and find a way to sort of, you know, embrace a boundaryless world in person. Ashu, thank you very much. If people want to reach out to you, how do they do that? You know, I tell people, call 1-800-ASHU-GUARD. <laughs> but on a more serious note, you know, my email is on the web, so it's easy to find. Excellent. Thank you very much. You're listening to the Remote Distributed Team Show. I'm your host, Murray Newland. I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for subscribing. Please recommend to a friend.